come on, we watched Secret Invasion. <sighs> yeah, because we, we thought it was going to be good. And we keep <laughs> pretending like we did it. <laughs> well, I mean, Marvel pretended, <laughs> pretended it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. At this point, <laughs> at this point, whatever that timeline is, I just have to assume it's gone. Like, maybe Loki was like, you know what? I'm not going to pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> Loki just starts, like, he just, like, peers into it and just starts, starts like, picking up the branches. It's like, I'm going to let that one die. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast and we are here to discuss Loki season 2 episode 6, the season 2 finale, maybe the series finale and yeah just a big episode for Loki, for the multiverse saga, everything and we've got amazing guests here to discuss that uh, so we're excited to get into that. Uh, before that, thank you for joining us on Popcorn for Dinner. Please check out all the other episodes we've got. We've got episodes on Gen V's first season, which is now done, including an amazing finale. We're now covering Invincible um, weekly. Um, and also on the Is This Cinema podcast, we've got an episode on David Fincher's The Killer. We've got an interview with the director and, co and producer of Untold Stories here on set. And we've also got an episode on Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. So yeah, just check out our feed. You'll probably find shows you like, um, movies you like, recommendations, all sorts of amazing stuff. But again, with no further ado, we're here to talk Loki season two, episode six. And it's a big one. So we brought all the big guns. We've got all our guests here. So Full House. So I'm going to go around the table. So first, you've not seen him since probably the first episode of this season of Loki we did. We've got TJ Fat Four back. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm super excited to get down and nerdy with this new episode of Loki because, I mean, this was a crazy one. Honestly, honestly, it was amazing. It was amazing. And then we've also got Another guest who you guys are probably familiar with, he's been with us through some of the crazier stuff in the multiverse at the moment, <laughs> the editor-in-chief at Streamer, Mo. Welcome back, Mo. Welcome. Welcome back to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, it's too, early, it's too early for us to be going off the rails, but yeah. And last guest, you know, the only, the other series regular here, uh, we've got Jeremiah. Jeremiah, how you doing? I'm good. Hey, guys. Glad to be back again. Nice, nice, nice. Cool, guys. So let's get into it. What are our general thoughts of the episode? Like, just brief, you know, clip notes version. We think it was good. Surely no one thought it was bad. But <laughs> yeah, just round, round the table. Jeremiah, start us off. What do you think? That is a bold statement. Surely no one thought I'm joking. It was good. Um, <laughs> I think loss, like we're dealing with a lot of loss in this episode and just coming to terms with everything that we've been discussing. I mean, we'll get into this over our discussion, but it seems like they made sure, especially within that first half, to try and answer all the questions that we had before letting us know it's all pointless. Mm hmm and then showing us that we're dealing with a lot of loss. And it was a very good episode. It was a very dark, heavy episode, but at the same time, it was beautiful to watch. So yeah, I, I, I liked it. Yeah, no, definitely. It was amazing. Uh, Mo, what did you think? 
Yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was a nice way to cap off two seasons of pretty good TV uh, and set up a lot of stuff whilst also not kind of overextending itself. Yeah. And delivering and, and, and promising more than it could deliver. I think it was a really nice conclusion to the second season. Yeah, no, definitely. I think like just what you said of like capping it off. I think this was like the perfect Disney Plus show, right? Of like, you know, in a future movie, we could pick up with where we leave Loki here. And it's like, if you know, you know. And if you don't, you can just, you know, accept it kind of thing. Um, And it just really fleshes out a lot of stuff. And I think, yeah, no, that's perfect. Uh, TJ, what do you think? I mean, I just got to echo what everyone else said. You know, I love this episode. It was deep and nerdy, which is what I love. Uh, We got Loki, like kind of, coming to this full realization of himself and taking over the mantle of God of stories, which he has in the comics. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just, the storytelling was just so well done, I think. And I, like you guys both said, I just think it was the perfect ending to this chapter that we've been experiencing in the MCU. And I, I can't wait to see more Loki. I know people are talking like, Oh, is he going to come back? But I can't wait for more. Yeah, no, I feel like at this point, like if we, I don't know, I feel like you can have it both ways, right? If we, if we see him again, I think it will be amazing. It'll be one of those things where it's like, again, like if you're clued in, you're clued in. But then if we don't as well, I think it's also nice to see like, you know, he's kind of working from the shadows and, and doing all of cool stuff. And yeah, I just think it was just a perfect place for the character. But yeah, before we go into obviously that amazing ending and everything. We kind of pick up from, again, what we kind of predicted um, last episode, I think it was just Jeremiah and myself on, and we we're like, are we going to get Groundhog Day? And Eric Martin was like, oh, they can predict one Groundhog Day, but how about two? So we ended up with Groundhog Day on the loom exploding, and then we basically went to Groundhog Day of the end of season one again. Oh, but on the start. Did we see the start of season one again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did, actually. Yeah, 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 with Mobius. Yeah. Yeah, so, again, that just kind of gave it, like, that... Again, I said at the top as well, like, a serious finale feeling, right? Like, we almost kind of took a trip down memory lane, which sounds ridiculous for a show that's only been 12 episodes, but it just goes to show you, like, how much has happened and how much of the journey and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm just going to open it up. Like, what were our kind of favourite bits from, you know that Groundhog Day, how quickly did we go, okay, this is what's happening. This is, you know, this is, I feel like there are certain lines they kept repeating, right? Like Victor Timely stuff is like, oh, why him? And then he's like, no, it's supposed to be and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, it was just one of those things where I think they did it so well where they just kind of got to the right point where a bit more would have been a little annoying. Like we get the point. But then it was enough of like, okay, this is frustrating. I think at the moment where, where he was like, I'm going to just learn everything about quantum mechanics or whatever was where I was like, right, we've we've taken this to another level. But yeah, what did you guys think about Groundhog Day? No, I thought, I thought it was a good, like you said, it got a bit, it, it could have got frustrating. I think maybe your tolerance is a bit higher than mine because <laughs> I thought... <laughs> Because I found it to be a little bit annoying, but then I checked the the, the playhead and it's and it said like forty minutes left, so yeah. I was fine. Whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. going to be it's not going to be another forty minutes of this. So I was I was fine with it at that point. But um, yeah, I think like you said, him learning everything that he needed to learn to become the Loki who remains at the end of the season. Ooh, I was, like that. 
<laughs> have you trademarked? I mean, that? Mobius said it. Mobius said it. Mobius said it. True. But uh, but yeah, the Loki who remains at the end of the season. I thought it was it was good. And everyone always says that these MCU shows don't ever have people learning and mm-hmm. people like growing into their power. Mm-hmm. And I think we we've seen like twelve very intense episodes of Loki just on this journey. Yeah. So. But yeah, I thought it was very cute. Yeah, I think I, I echo your thing as well because it was like, I think when we started doing the Groundhog Day with the season one ending and like, oh, the only way to stop me is to kill me and stuff. I was like, is this going to be the whole episode? I literally had to pause and just see how far along we were because I was like, surely, <laughs> surely it's not just going to end and he's just going to stab her and then that's where we end on some sort of cliffhanger. I was like, I can't take another cliffhanger to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, Jeremiah, what, what, do you, what do you make of it? I mean, I agree that what you just said would have been very frustrating. I can imagine that. Because, um, yeah, there was a point where I was like, but what's actually going to be the meat? Like, we know what the meat of the episode is, but what's going to actually solve the problem here? Um, mm-hmm. But for me, when it started, I I liked it because I love seeing things like this. Um, mainly because, one, obviously, for the viewers, like, yeah, you're seeing that they've done this before, and then you're seeing certain characters play the same role, and they say the mm-hmm. same thing they would have said before, and you're like, oh, so this was really written. There's that that feeling of, it almost makes, the, it, but this, this is where the problem might be for some people, because it kind of makes the characters into toys. It's like, it reminds me of, like, Westworld, where there's a character that has played, the, played through that whole mission mm. before and then it knows exactly what the host is going to say and blah 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 and uh-huh. it, it kind of makes everybody else around loki feel like a toy at that point because they're expendable they are being repeated but then at the same time it gives you that depth of just how long it's been for loki because with each iteration you're seeing him get increasingly frustrated to the point where even when um timely is walking down the gangway i'm like like he, I can see how frustrated Loki is because he's really saying one step at a time. <laughs> he's like, at that, like so this is someone that has been working at it for centuries at this point. So of course he's him, he's impatient at this point. It makes sense. Um, I like seeing little things picked out like that. So for me, it was fun. Um, and even when and then when it when it switched over to the one with Sylvie, that's when it got darker because it's like shits like. So he actually has to undo everything that like this this is a lot. But it was still good to see one his mastery of time because one thing we didn't get, like we're talking about this whole journey he's going through, uh-huh. is we also now missed about our we missed centuries. We don't know how many centuries. We missed centuries of Loki's growth. We got it all like sandwiched into five ten minutes of mm-hmm. repeating a loop but he wasn't repeating the exact same thing um but the episode does enough around that to show you that loki grows a lot through those iterations loki goes mm-hmm. from someone who doesn't understand anything about um theoretical physics and quantum mechanics to someone who's competing with obi loki goes from someone who just learned how to control his time slipping to whatever the god of stories basically is at the end because that is an immense power jump again but it's believable because they show us enough of how long he's been doing there's so much so that he's even going not tip for tap but like he's really sparring with he who remains again so yeah i i enjoyed that i i agree with you i think also like this is going to be the first of many shout outs i give to eric martin and his writing team but like in stories like this it's very easy to like lose 
lose the logic you know of like what's going on like okay like i wouldn't lie to you we're gonna talk about a point at some point where like loki's grabbing the branches and powering them up i'm like i, I, I kind of don't really know what's happening here but i'm still emotionally invested you know and i think like that's always the thing with these stories like if it's fighting vampires if it's you know solving timelines whatever the key thing is that you should still keep that emotional investment because once the movie loses that then you know you do, you don't really care what's happening um tj i'm going to come to you now like talk to me about like again you know we talked about the groundhog day and stuff like that but do you do you find that like true that it kind of almost made loki a bit more endearing and do you feel like also, I think also one thing I wanted to mention was it was so easy and I was scared like we'll just fall into a pitfall of like, we'd skip so many steps. So it's like, would people still behave the same way? You know, like at the end, he's just literally rushing Victor like, yeah, you're going to do it and that and that. But like he never had all those moments with OB, the hot cocoa and all these kinds of things that made him actually care about these people to want to do anything. So it's like, you know, how do you feel about how they navigated that? Um, you know, did they really get get you in the feels, or was it just like, right, let's let's get this on the road? Nah, I mean, I think it definitely got me in the feels, and I think at least for me, I thought they did a really good job with, like you guys were saying, the kind of line of okay, we need to stop this; it's getting too much, and giving us enough to go through that kind of emotional journey. But I I enjoyed it for a couple of different reasons. One being, like you guys talked about, the kind of character growth that Loki's able to go through just from replaying these different scenarios. And I also really love it for the sense of when he comes to the confrontation of having to kill Sylvie and like struggling with mm -hmm. that. Because at least for me, I've always taken the relationship between Sylvie and Loki as like a representation of loving yourself and accepting yourself. Yep. So in the end, when he's confronted with having to kill her, I take that as like he has to kill himself, which we kind of do see in this episode in a kind of metaphorical way. So I thought the way that they used the kind of Groundhog Day dynamic to highlight those themes was super, super smart. And I really enjoyed it. And also, I love to just the realization again it was he who remains. He paved the road. Like we've been on this road this whole time, orchestrated by this guy. And I just, again, I I love that. Yeah, no, like when we get into that, like it's just like you just said, it was just really like great to watch. Um, let's get into that confrontation with he who remains. Right, we find out the loom is just a uh a fail safe we come to the choice of sylvie of like you know you're gonna have to kill me and we get into it, it again you can hear me breathing this because i'm about to talk about jonathan majors but it's basically like an acting tour de force between him and tom hiddleston when they're going back and forth and going a few rounds about you know you could do this i paved the road this is all me. How long did it take you to figure this out? All of this stuff. I, you know, it was just like, I couldn't write a lot of notes, but it was just beautiful to see on, on screen. You know, it's just like, you know, just this air of like, he who remains being so smug and quote unquote inevitable that he knew even 
bloody doing the Victor Timely stammer and mocking him for it. <laughs> like, did you find? Yeah, what a little. <laughs> I, I can't swear on this camera. I, I, I can't swear. I don't know. Wait, like, we can't. They, 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 I, oh, I feel yeah, like you I can. Mean, you should... You saw, you saw my tweet. I was just, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I was just like, fucking damn it, because <laughs> you were like, such a little bitch. Honestly. Honestly. honestly I'm so pissed. I, I, I was so pissed off. I was like, come on. That's like, I'm so not able Definitely. I was like, <laughs> it's a version of himself as well. Like, he just comes across as yeah. such a prick. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was so pissed off. Honestly, like when he did that, I was like, oh my gosh, like obviously he he knew about this kid that like, he's set on this Victor Timely path and everything. And he's just he's just mocking everyone. But yeah, Mo, tell me what did you think about that whole chat and everything? Like, apart from obviously he remains being a fucking bitch, but um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I yeah, I mean the, the I thought the chat was nice. It was good to have it all explained. Um, I think what the show needed desperately was a bit of an exposition dump. Yeah. Um, so I was glad that we got that. And I didn't really see it as setting up anything. No. More so just recounting the events from an objective-ish perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was good to have that bit of clarity. And I really liked the, uh, the uh, Loki's little, how do you know we haven't had this conversation before? <laughs> no. That that moment that he had there, that was like that was the wait, wait is your mic gonna fall now? Because that was the mic drop moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Nah, nah. Uh, but like it survived. No, like that was uh, honestly as well. Like when Loki paused time, I was like, "All right, come on, show him, show him what you got." Because he was so condescending as well. He kept calling him kiddo. Like, bro, like he's a god as well. Like, I know you've done your stuff with the timeline, but kiddo is a bit this is like an actual god <laughs> it's like kiddo is a bit extreme um i felt for sylvie as well right she was just literally an npc at that point um but <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what i mean about toying with the characters at this point like everyone becomes a toy an npc at this point is it sexist oh god (laughs) i mean mobius obi casey they're all involved to like everyone (laughs) but it's jonathan majors isn't it that's why that's why you have to ask i i do like the oh Oh. (laughs) (laughs) but i i do like the idea that sylvie is the only loki in the timeline now Ah. because she never had she had this identity that she had to like yeah. get rid of because she hated being a Loki. Mm-hmm. But now she is literally the only Loki in the timeline. Ah. Huh. Do we know that? That is true, actually. We do because at least on the sacred timeline or whatever. Yeah, or, or on the on the on the six one six timeline, she is the only Loki. Oh, okay, I thought you meant like. Sorry, I, I read it on the timeline. I, I I guess you can say on the timelines. Like, no, still uh, if she's the only one in the multiverse, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. No. No, she's a, yeah, she's the she's the she's the only only Loki on the six one six timeline now, which I think is is kind of nice nice ending for her. And so when I see everyone saying, "Oh, Sylvie didn't get a happy ending," what they mean is Sylvie didn't get to kiss Loki. That's what they mean. <laughs> I mean, was it a happy ending? Yes, I I am I am subtweeting somebody here. By the way, <laughs> oh boy, no, I, 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 I saw fired. the tweet, so like I know what you're on about, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, 
But right. uh, yeah. Anyway, let's. let's but yeah, let's Jeremiah, I wanted to come to you because I wanted to come to you last on the whole chat because I wanted you to have your victory lap because I believe was it in our episode four podcast or episode three lap. where you said that the the loom was literally just a, a scam, pretty much like it was just a failsafe from he who remains, and we're just trying to fix it for nothing. So yeah, you're proven right, basically. Accidentally. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, it's funny because I think it was just one of those things right at the end of the episode where you were just throwing things out and you were like, oh, for all we know, the loom could just be a, a, a failsafe or something, like just for him to get his plans off. And I think that still made it into the episode, but pretty yeah. much. <laughs> but that's, I'll pick up on that because I'm not sure if everyone already went, but I'll pick up on that because like I was saying at the start, they answered a lot of questions for us. For example, Mo asked about the device, like people that thought Obi was a villain, they're like, why did he put, why did he have to put his head through the device? Like, what if it could have killed him? And Loki answered <laughs> that. Um, the duct tape, the duct tape was important as well because they needed a duct tape. In the end, they, like Loki reminded him, make sure you tape your right thumb and latch the helmet and all that stuff was yeah. important, but all of it was pointless. And that's exactly what, like, what the first 40 minutes or so of this episode did is add so much more depth to everything we've experienced so far because now all of a sudden he who remains is even more inevitable and scary than we've ever like considered him to be um at the same time another thing we pick up in this episode i'm kind of diverting here is with mobius for example when Mobius, i, I love uh, Maybe I should have saved this for when we brought it up, but I love the conversation that Mobius and Loki have as well. No, go on, go on. Um, because when Luke, when Mobius says there is no comfort in the TVA in what they mm -hmm. do, then it adds depth to the idea that these people, they're not just evil, mindless beings doing what they're told by the timekeepers. Yeah. They actually do have feelings. So imagine just how deep it would have been for them when they realized that the purpose they thought they had was all fake to begin yeah. with um it adds depth in that sense and it's the same thing and bringing it back to hero remains that i love that scene a lot because there's just so much with time you could do and fair enough they're kind of doing the same end game thing where you bring back the villain to a new position in the timeline and then it's the same villain and then you fight him off kill him off but mm. There, I guess something different about it this time is, again, like you, like you guys were talking about, the growth that Loki has already experienced and him coming up, they're exchanging all their, like Loki's showing his powers. Like, I can't like, I think he remains tells him, I can't believe you haven't figured out how to pause time yet or something like that. And then Loki eventually reveals his pause time. Personally, I liked all those things. But it just adds, to me, it just added so much more to everything that already existed, which is also the thing where people are like, oh, you completed a season with no real villain. It's like, yes, technically this entire season was Loki on a journey to fix a loom that was always doomed to fail, then come into that realization. But even with that, he still managed to figure out something else to do. And that's somehow, I, I may have like gone on a tangent here, but that's no. somehow still powerful. But yeah, I... I liked it in, in terms of victory lap. I I don't even know because my <laughs> whole thing was yeah like uh, he who remains might still have orchestrated all of this and this is where I'm like if we have seen him be so inevitable as to avoid death as we saw in season one I don't know that we he I don't know that he's been defeated still like yeah I don't I don't I, yeah we just never know right yeah yeah I think um, 
one thing I noticed was that he definitely did seem proud of Loki on some level of like, you know, this is almost like his protege kind of thing. And I think like you mentioned with like, you know, the things people in the TVA deal with and comfort and stuff like that. It's kind of like what people talk about when, you know, when veterans from the army are like come out and it's like, you know, we're just following orders. Were we following orders or were we terrible people and stuff like that? And it's like, you know, it's just that, it's just that line that people struggle with and stuff. And, you know, I appreciate the show for trying to go there and, you know, getting Mobius's story as well, like with the kid he didn't want to prune and Renslayer going ahead to do it. But like I said, like you said as well, like it just added a lot of depth to stuff. Um, I'm going to come back quickly to um, that choice with Sylvie and I'm going to talk to you, TJ, about that, right? Like it's something that comes up a lot in like comic books and comic book media and things like that, right? Of like, you know, um, killed a few, saved a many, stuff like that. And, you know, Loki's faced with that. Is it, is it like, was that like a turning point for him and like his hero's journey of like, would it have been too easy for him to just decide to kill Sylvie? Or, you know, or, you know, what, what do you think about that whole thing, basically? I mean, I loved it. Again, going back to the whole kind of differences and similarities between Loki and Sylvie, I think that it really just showed that, like you said, he could have taken the easy way out, right, and killed her and, you know, set everything back. But I think Loki even says this himself in a previous episode, like, hope is hard, right? Like, that's the hard choice (laughs) to make, to have hope. So I think that that really comes to fruition in this uh, scenario that we have with, like you said, Loki trying to decide if he should kill Sylvie. And I think it just all adds to where we see him end up in the end of this episode where he takes charge of his own story. So like we talked about, he's now in the comics, he's called the God of Stories. So to me, that was him taking charge of his own story and coming to his full realization of his true power of the God of Stories. And like, I won't go on a huge, I could go on a huge tangent about it, but just very quickly, Basically, where that comes from is so Loki is the god of lies, right? And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, what is a lie but a story? So in the books, mm-hmm. it t- they take the idea of him being the god of lies as him being the god of stories, which at the end of the day, everything is a story. So I think him coming to that realization is why we see him able to then re- uh, I guess re-energize the branches, if you would, because now his power yep. is fully realized if you would i I, and again i know i could go on a long tangent about that but i hope that made sense how i explained it yeah yeah no that that definitely makes sense and like again it's one of those things where i feel like i can't fully understand it like i feel like loki had one power set then it's time slipping and now there's just a new power set entirely but like i said the heart of it goes true and he randomly gets a new costume we'll come back to that <laughs> Which is so classic. cold. So remember, cold. it's fiction, so it's the why, not the what. Yeah, uh, true. If we go with that, because I was thinking the same thing too. Like, so why did he need a new suit? It's cool and sell action figures, right? Oh wait, if you're good on that one, that one I definitely have questions. <laughs> but I, I, I had that same thing too. It's just like I, 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 that's why I tried to explain with the we have to accept that Loki did this for centuries, possibly millennia, because. Mm-hmm. 
centuries to just learn the physics, but we don't know how many times he redid the reactor. We don't know how many times he fought Sylvie. Like it was a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But doing all that at the same time is like, uh, what did you learn? How did you grow? And that's what we see. Like, we don't know. We don't, we, the episode leaves us with a lot to kind of like figure out with our heads. Like Loki somehow became, the, we just have to accept, okay, Loki is the God of stories now. And this is what he's doing now. I focus on the why. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, there's gaps. And like, yeah, 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 they're right. Like, you know, what is the emotional, like, heft of it and stuff like that? Um, the emotional heft of it is that he can't eat. He's just stuck holding branches forever and ever. He can eat the branch. Has Loki ever had to eat? <laughs> I'm sure there was, yeah. a lot, there was a lot of... I mean, we've seen him drink at questions. the very least. <laughs> there was some, I mean, I, mean I, could, I could also go, go and make this R-rated and say that he gave up everything. 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 Oh, all, 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 <laughs> I mean, presumably, all, all you would hope pleasure. that someone watching all timelines gave up everything. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, maybe Sylvie can, like, I don't know, visit? pop up sometimes. Yeah, visit. <laughs> Good Every Lord. You know, she's a Loki. She can she can cover him like annual leave, something like that. Like annual, I, 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 I was thinking more something else. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, my gosh! Right, we talked about uh, <laughs> we talked about Loki going back to speak to Mobius, and you know, like it's always been Loki's thing of, you know, uh, Loki Odinson, son of As- um, of Asgard, burdened with glorious purpose. And there's a great line that comes in here that I think it probably kind of capitalizes or like, you know, emphasizes the whole arc, right? And it's like, most purpose is more bo- burden than glory. And you shouldn't let the burden kind of stop you from the glory. And, you know, that was a lot because it's, a lot of this actually ties in very nicely to, you know, the four we meet in the Kenneth Branagh film. I'm sorry, the Loki we meet in the Kenneth Branagh film and everything is going through with Odin and all of that. Because, you know, that Loki wanted all the glory and no burden whatsoever, right? Like, the littlest issue they had, he grasses out four straight to Odin. It's like, oh, it was who did it, you know. Father, it's him. You know, he gets his brother gets banished. He doesn't care all these kinds of things. And then now it's just on the total opposite side. Um, and I think I even saw a video just before, like we hopped on to record and it's literally when Odin's casting him out and it's like, Oh, I did this for, for us, for all of us basically. And, you know, Odin says no Loki. And then we get that pretty much recreated, but it's nice because Mobius says no. And then Sylvie says Loki. So it's just like kind of showing us how he's kind of gone round in in a really like amazing arc. And yeah, it, it, the whole thing was just, yeah, it was just, it was just amazing. And like, I just really liked that line. Were there any other lines that stood out to you guys in the episode or anything like that? I think that the writing in the scene between Mobius and Loki, really, really good. I, no lines in particular, just that, even in the weaker parts of the episode, the writing, like when, when things were a little bit slower, mm-hmm. it was just because it kind of took a break to actually just show off how good of a writer Eric Barton actually is. Yeah. Because he's so, he's so good. He's so good. Dialogue um, was amazing. So, 
Exactly. Yeah, just the conversations, and they they didn't feel like your standard MCU cringe dialogue at times. They felt very much like it understood the importance of the story that it was telling, and out of everything, it was just really incredibly respectful to the character. Yeah. Which, even if you don't like Loki as a character, you have to admit that for people who do like Loki, this show was respectful of him and the journey that he went on for the past what year is it many years i think what over a decade over 14 four was in 2011 okay 12 years 12 years then he's been a staple of the mcu since the very start and it's and it's incredibly nice to see a character that is so beloved by fans actually get treated with respect with the importance yeah i think the actor as well i think tom hiddleston just clearly loves loki and it's it's so weird that in another timeline he probably gets to play four and just that's that's it because that's who he originally auditioned for um it just goes to show you how these things just work out <laughs> and yeah what i do want to say though is that i hope they don't undo the the position that the character is in down the line yeah, I I I, I, I don't not. think they. I know. I don't even know if they can. I mean, they can, but like no one will accept it. I think if anything, they wanted to give us a Loki that wasn't that character. It would have to be a completely different Loki. But do we want to go through another journey of seeing another Loki? Like we like this one. I think the way that you can do it is if you take is if you step in just before he gets killed in Endgame, and then you take that Loki with all of the character just before he gets killed in Infinity War. And then you take that Loki with all of the character development there. So you're not starting off from like a 2012 Loki. Yeah, so, mm. but it, so that, it would still be different to this Loki in a sense. I was just going to say that this series makes the best case for the MCU on Disney Plus yeah. than any other show. Yeah. Uh, like, you get to spend so much time and the week-to-week theorizing, getting to know the character mm-hmm. through other people's analysis and stuff like that. You know, yeah, that's, that's true. I literally have on my notes that this is the perfect Disney Plus show. Because, like you said, it's fleshed out Loki. It's built up on stuff. It's given us new mythology, like the TVA timelines, multiverses. It's given us new mythology. It's fleshed out a, an old character, and it's done it in such a way that, like I said, like if there's something going on, like I don't know, Avengers Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars, right? And they need to go to I don't know where he is, the heart, the heart of time, or whatever. And they just go there and foresees Loki. Like, it's it's almost like, you know, people, I feel like in the movie theater, you just accept that. But then also, like, we who've seen that journey, like, it just has so much, um, so much, like, heft to it. I think the only thing I can compare it to was, you know, when Red Skull showed up in Voromir? Like, it's like having 12 episodes of, like, how he got there. Oh, I think I just pitched a Disney Plus show. How did Red Skull make it to Voromir? I say you're cooking right there, man. You're cooking. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't need that. We don't need to see that. But I get, yeah, like we, we get the point. It's a, yeah, it's probably exactly like that. Wow, no love for Red Skull. <laughs> I 
I do want to say really quickly, uh, going off of uh, Mo's point of, you know, respecting the character and like showing respect to Loki as a character. I mean, especially this last episode coming from the comic book side, mm-hmm. this was just an absolute love letter to Al Ewing's uh, Loki run, which yeah. this show yeah. is like heavily influenced by. Not one to one translation, but uh, this is where the God of Story stuff comes in. So I think, j- again, just to uh, go off of Mo's point a little bit more. I think they did an excellent job with translating Loki's journey from the comic books, taking the important stuff and giving it to Tom Hiddleston to really flesh out the character of Loki in the MCU like he is in the book. So I think a plus job in that regard. Yeah, no, definitely. That was that was like great. Um, Right. Let's. So what I'm thinking now, let's wrap up some what plot we've got here and then we can do some theories. We can maybe get some more comic book knowledge from TJ on what's coming up next and keep it going. So, um, you know, we get to the point, he has the conversation with he who remains, he realizes everything and Loki just goes out into, what's that thing called? Where the loom is basically, I forgot what it's called. Um, And yeah, we get the new suit, we get the score swelling, we get the powers we get the branches kind of dying for a second we get loki energizing it and yeah we basically see him take control of all the timelines and basically almost become the loom you know or yeah like the living loom like the one looking after everything like the custodian of the mcu effectively and things you know things seem to seem to be fine um the tva is back Weirdly, there's a lot. I had a question about this. So there's a lot more people in the TVA than we've ever seen. Like, are they picking up variants? Are people signing up? Is there a recruitment di- drive? Is there pen? Do they offer pensions now? Like, what, what? I don't know. Like, suddenly there was just so many people in the TVA. Um, do we have any theories on that, <laughs> or just people who can sign up? Since they're no longer, uh, well, I assume they haven't started hunting the Kang variants yet. They are aware of some of them. But mm-hmm. let's just assume Sylvie is no longer picking up people and killing them. Like, how many thousand or hundred hunters that she killed over time? Um, things like that, I don't know. But again, also with more variants as well, you have to assume Kang in building out the TVA picks variants that he thought were useful to his TVA. Mm-hmm. So with an infinitely growing multiverse, there'll be more useful people as well, like over time. So maybe that's what we keep seeing. You said about Kang. Kang doesn't exist anymore because they said it that a 616 timeline, uh, there was a, a Kang of variant causing trouble in an adjacent 616 realm. realm. So that's that, Quantumania. Yeah. yeah. That's Quantumania Kang. So he's dead now. Is he though? Is he though? Well, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dead. He's dead because, but. I'll push, I'm going to push back on that. that I I'm gonna push back on your pushback. Oh boy! It's the perfect <laughs> it's the perfect it's the perfect opportunity to just get rid of Jonathan Majors now. You can you can say that they killed all the Kang variants and then you change the Kang Dynasty to the Kang Legacy, hmm. and that's it. Hmm. I think I mean I think you can easily just get rid of Jonathan Majors right and just cast someone else and no one will say anything. Well, I mean, we know that not all variants look like each other. So I feel like we don't really need a huge explanation. Just yeah. ask someone else, right? I mean, except for the Kang ones that we saw at the end of Quantumania. 
Yeah, that's the thing. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, we saw thousands of Kangs that look like Jonathan Majors, but the multiverse is infinite. There's infinite Kangs. And again, we yeah. saw in Spider-Man No Way Home, we have Toby, Andrew, Tom Holland. Those three, you know, obviously are three different people. So I think while it might be a little jarring, you could just make it as simple as, yeah, well, the thousands of Kangs we saw in Quantumania, they look like Jonathan Majors, but not all of them do. They're, again, it's an infinite multiverse. Yeah. Oh, the other ones Waiting outside of the <laughs> waiting outside of the stadium. The one hating from outside the club. They're waiting in the gate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro thinks he's part of the team. I'm just saying they could do it. it. And it doesn't have to be this huge explanation of like, oh, this is what happened. You know what I mean? Like they've set it up yeah. in a way to where we can just kind of okay, just don't think about it, right? Like just put that away. Yeah. I think but like, I feel that's like the everyone thing. will have con yeah. I think they just kind of painting themselves in a corner, right? Because like you mentioned, like they haven't been consistent with it, right? So every Doctor Strange we've met is Benedict Cumberbatch. Every Baron Mordor or whatever is um Chiwetel Ledger for. Yeah, but every Spider Man is, is different. This every is the Kang, thing like and they showed us thousands. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing I have about that. Like when you because I, I think Multiverse of Madness kind of ventures a little bit like we get a snapshot of this concept a little bit in multiverse of madness because i was seeing this video and one time someone was talking about all these multiversal stories tend to only show you universes that are just like the universe you are you you just left and it's like well to me like to me that whole video was like a lot of nonsense because in my head i'm like well of course it's going to be of course (laughs) i can't remember what it was i can't remember who did it but like of course it's going to be similar if we're looking for a story where i where i made a different choice that means we have to look Mm -hmm. for a universe where i exist the same person maybe like maybe the different choice was three days ago for me of course it's going to be exceedingly similar the different choice wouldn't have affected the nazis losing the world war in 19 whatever like there those those things are going to be the same right no i know but i was like let, let me anyway like those things are going to remain the same it's the same way that's when we were jumping through universes and uh, multiverse of madness, we got like a glimpse of universes that must have diverged from way, way back. Like when you think about it, the number of universes where any one character exists will be minute, negligible in an infinite like universe. And we've seen examples of different Peter Parkers born at different times. Maybe this person like decided to stay home instead of meeting their like a great grandfather decided to stay home instead of meeting the great grandmother on this day. And now DNA has slightly changed or a person is born earlier, but obviously because they're not exactly the same person, but like people have the same idea. I'm gonna name my kid this. This is Peter Parker. Goes through this. Like anything could happen in the chaos of an infinite multiverse to create a completely different person and only a small subset would ever be the exact same person experiencing the exact same life with a slightly different choice and that's why i think um it's fine because we've seen a lot of kangs we've seen we've just seen uh let me me even say kangs yes maybe those are all he who remains variants that decided to become kang who knows um but we've also seen a variant for all we know was suddenly born in the 19th century he wasn't time traveled as far as the show has established it it yeah, just yeah, seemed like just, he just happened just to have been born yeah. there so there could have been literally any variant of he who remains that discovers the maybe this variant was never even going to discover the motors maybe this was like oh god this vampire that is now doppelgangers forget that one but victor timely existing and 
Nathaniel Rich- Richards. Did they did they ever name him as that? Not yet. No, no, no. no. They could even still separate He Who Remains from Kang and say He Who Remains is this person that Jonathan Majors is playing. And ultimately, we still get a Nathaniel. Like, there's, there's anything they could do. We're going on a tangent here, but I just think so, like, there's anything they could do. So you heard it here first. Who do you recast? I was going to say, you heard it here first. Lakeith Stanfield is kind. Oh, God. That's on you. That's <laughs> oh, you no. alone. That's no. You and you. No. No. But yeah, um, let's, let's just get back into the episode, I think. Um, I don't even know. Where to pick up? <laughs> John Boyega. John Boyega. I mean, you you seem to not like that one when we said it. I, f- I said John Boyega before, but then I got shot down. Yeah, Mo said no. <laughs> so I went. With I didn't kiss. say I. I didn't sh- shut you down. We either. both 100%. said it, and you said no. It's still <laughs> no because that's the that's why that's why I went lucky Stanfield. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like if they wanted to recast. You'd probably just get, I don't know, John Boyega. John Boyega. Like, just. <laughs> oh, no. Everyone just uses that. Not John I'm Boyega. Sorry, it's just. No, John Boyega is like the obvious choice, but I wanted to, I want to see them go more avant garde. Maybe take. um, What's that that guy from. He was in Quantumania and he was in The Good Place, and I don't know. Oh, his name. Um, oh. William Jackson oh. Harper. Yes. yes, him, William Jackson Harper. I love he him, gets, but like, everyone no. wants him to be Mister Fantastic. But I don't. really, no, he, he's he's not a, enough of a dick to be Mister Fantastic. He's a good actor. But he could play, he could play evil, Kang. But mm. as opposed could, could play to evil, just not like as opposed to like dickish. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a bit of a dick, but I'm not a bad person. I don't think. Yeah. Kang probably thinks he's not a bad person, thinks he's just doing, making the hard choice, ultimately. Um, isolating the timeline. I do want to say really quickly about like he who remains and like being a bad person, what we're talking about here is so Yeah, yeah. I I'm not I'm not even gonna get into like the recasting stuff. Like that's a whole other topic of discussion. I just mean the character himself. Yeah. And so he who are, so we've seen an a Mortis variant of Kang and but for the MCU yep. for all intents and purposes he who remains is kind of playing the role of Immortus from of the comics comic book Immortus And yep. so Immortus in the comics at least from my understanding and how I read it is like he's not good or bad necessarily yeah. but what Immortus is is it's the version of Kang that has fully realized himself and it's the version of Kang mm-hmm. that has finally stopped getting in his own way. So, like, that's one of the major things of Kang is Kang always defeats himself. So, I think as far as he yeah. who remains as a character, I think that there we're definitely going to see more of him. And I don't think this is the end of him. And I think his whole, like, we're talking about, like, his whole motivations of, like, playing this whole game and stuff. I don't think it's necessarily a question of right or wrong, right? It's more of a, like, more of an ethical question. I think there's not really a right answer to it, like, if what he's mm-hmm. doing is right or wrong. So, like I said, I just want to put that point out there. I don't think he who remains no, yeah. is completely gone. I think there's still, again, he paved the road, right? Like, there's more to go, even though Loki is in this position of the Loki who remains, there's still more to that story there, I think. Yeah, I think it's fascinating you brought up Immortus because 
I, I feel the same. I think I mentioned when we recorded season one that like that I, I for all intents and purposes that was immortal to me, like the purple and stuff. But then in the Quantumania scene where we get all the thousands of Kangs, there is an Immortus there who's basically in charge. And I'm like, he's like the biggest dick of all. So I'm like, I don't know, the MCU is definitely doing something different. Yeah, it seems like they're kind of splitting the characters a little bit and giving mm-hmm. the qualities of each other to... I mean, we haven't seen Immortus fully realized yet, like you said, for like two seconds. So who knows if we'll get to that actual variant and see the similarities between He Who Remains. And I guess also with the thing... Sorry, before we went on this whole tangent, I think the whole thing was like the TVA is monitoring variants of He Who Remains, right? And we got told, uh, what's it called? We got told the one in 616 in the realm, basically the one from Quantumania had been dealt with. But it means they're still watching the other ones, right? But none of them is yet a threat. So I wonder that's that's what we're kind of seeding, I think. For the well, future. if you think about it, though, so the whole reason for the TVA originally, when He Who Remains created it, was to stop other Kang variants in the multiverse from arising, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about it, at the end of this, we're basically back to the same status quo. That's what the TVA is still doing. They're still pruning Kang variants. So again, going back to the whole idea of like, is this still part of He Who Remains plan? I mean, again, it seems like their do- their mission is the same, ultimately. It just, now it's a little bit more democratic and they're not, you know, controlled by the timekeepers or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're still doing the same thing. I don't know. I, I like that, but at the same time, it's like, we don't know for certain that they're pruning. We know they're monitoring. So it might be a thing where they'll only step in if any mm-hmm. of those variants shows like this variant is actually going to try and destroy the multiverse because like if they try and take over their universe like fair enough that's their choice in their timeline going by sylvie's ethos or whatever like they probably shouldn't interfere they would only interfere if that person threatens the entire multiverse which kind of makes sense yeah no definitely that that covers it um, yeah that was great that was a great explanation on how it's back to its original purpose it's like an ouroboros an ouroboros baby <laughs> it all comes back to the ouroboros it's a cycle oh yeah that's what i was going to say the episode title is called glorious purpose the same as the season one ep- episode one, one title. yeah glorious purpose so it's a full circle and around and around we go gentlemen around and around we go around we go Right, um, just a few more things we had. Like, So after everything kind of goes down, Loki settles in, we get an epilogue, basically, for most of our characters. Um, Mobius gets to kind of meet Don, which is interesting. Um, Sylvie's chilling out. She has a temp pad, so I assume she's still chilling with the TVA. TVA is going on. Um, um, we get to see Loki, and then we get to see... Oh my god, Miss Minutes is back. That just doesn't look like it's going to end well. And then we get to see Ravona, And I think this is the closest thing to a cliffhanger we've got, right? And there's just like purple light in front of her. We do see a pyramid next to her for a second. And then on the ground, we see the TVA thing for all time always because they actually made the point to foreshadow that and show us in the thing before. So what do we think is going on with Ravona? Where's the purple light? He's going to get eaten. 
She's gonna get. She's in the void. She's. I disagree with Hell the. Hell nah, man. Too. She's chilling, dude. I think, I think she's made, in a way better a, position. They made it a point. Yeah, they made it a Whoa. point to show Whoa. us that she has a lot of things she recognizes around her. And now that you mentioned that it's a pyramid, hell, maybe she meets a uh uh he who remains variant. That's one of you know there was that pharaoh looking. That's the one pharaoh that, one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like, thinking. Maybe yeah. she no, meets someone. No, like, no, you, no, my god, you guys do no, incorrect, incorrect. All right. My can, one can thing was, all... I'm glad we got to see that scene because throughout the finale, I was thinking, so you mean Renslayer and X5 are just gone like that? Like, we don't I mean, see X5 them. is gone, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did X5 get pruned, though? I don't think he did. Oh, no, no, but like, we just never see him again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we don't see him again. Nah. Mo, so you think it's Elias? 100%. Yeah, that's it's 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 a it's Elias. It's, it's still there, but I mean, like, and we know that, like, if she can somehow, but she's got no powers. Hmm. She's just a human being, but she's Renslayer. She powers. Yeah, she's Renslayer, but she's got no powers. She, she was the general that helps he who remains in the war. We're forgetting a huge butt in this conversation. What's the huge butt? Cool. Let's, let's so let go. if we remember right in what was it episode three, episode four, we learned that Ravona was there not only there during the multiversal war, but she was a she general in that yeah. war and she commanded the armies for that war and if we also remember going back to season one when he who remains gives his little spiel one of the major factors of winning that war was him taming Eliath. and he makes a specific point of that he tamed the beast and brought peace to the multiverse or however he puts it so now that we learn that Ravona was actually the leader of these armies to me that makes it a very real possibility that she commanded Eliath and she was the one who actually tamed Eliath into the void. So now that she's back into the void, while she might not remember that, Eliath probably does. And I would even go so far as like, that could be like her, you know, pet or something like a lot, like Eliath's like, Oh, my, my mom's back, you know, like, let's get, <laughs> let's get going. It. Right. So no, I think, I think she's in a way better position than we're left to believe. I think we're supposed to be like, Oh, like she's fucked. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to swear on here, but God, God, it, God. Okay, yeah, she's <laughs> fucked. Right. But I think we're going to find out she's actually in a better position. And like I said, I think, all of that is going to definitely come into play. And we also have to remember, too, there's a gang of Lokis underneath that little TVA symbol that she brushes off. So, I mean, we could see her coming back with a gang of Lokis, riding a Lyoth, some crazy shit. Like, she's not done, for sure. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because like when I said, oh, that was what I, that's literally the realization I was making, that she was a general, because I was trying to respond to Mo. And I think... Because to me, I didn't see that as a scene where she was in trouble. I thought I saw a smile on her face. In my head, I'm thinking we should be watching her for what she does next. Like, if she was just dead and done, they probably wouldn't even bother to show us her in the void, like, realistically. To me, I think, like, he's absolutely yeah. spot on with that one. Yeah. I, I, I feel like another thing this show did, in, in addition to being, I love that you said a love letter to, like, the Loki run, but also, in my head, a love letter to all of the MCU. It also allowed itself to end here, but also continue. So this could be the serious finale, like you said, Emmanuel. Or it could be like, okay, we have a season three, four, five, and she could come back. Or she could come back when someone decides, you know what? Let's use Renslayer as the villain for this movie. It's possible. Like, this 
it's one of those things that is potentially set up, but yeah. we don't have to follow through, but it's there if we need it. No way she doesn't show up in Kang Dynasty. No way. 100%. Mm. Yeah, that, that that makes sense, I guess. Do you still but... think Kang Dynasty is getting made? Oh, Oof, yeah. 100%. We're getting into philosophical stuff. Yeah, I think it'll get made. Sorry, I was just going to say one more thing that... Because so, someone said something about the writing, and I realized that I skipped a few things in my notes when we were talking about the Groundhog Day thing. Like, I loved how aware of itself the show was. Because even there's a point where he who remains... Oh, sorry, Victor Timely goes, this all feels a bit rushed. And I'm thinking, yep, you're right. It does feel <laughs> rapid. Um, but there were little, little moments in the dialogue like that um, where the characters just say something that is very critical or existential to whatever they're experiencing now. And that was also something else. I think someone mentioned, would the characters act the same? Uh, and that was something I picked yeah, up I as well. Like, that, yeah. Even Obi was, I said, Obi, Mobius was asking this time, like Sylvie's like, Loki, why are you being weird? Even Miss Minutes has to stop and like, what is going on here? Um, so that, all that was very interesting. It was just like, things that the the writers do for fun. But my favorite, my absolute favorite line of the entire episode was when Loki basically went, fight back, nigga, fight back. Like, what are you doing? Fight back what? Fight back what? <laughs> he basically said that. DJ, did you hear what he said? Cuts, cuts, cuts. He basically said that. As soon as he said, why are you fighting back? That's exactly what came to my mind. (laughs) And then that brings us to just a completely new level of what the episode is. (laughs) Cool. So what I'm going to do now is we're going to give TJ some time to just tell us about that Loki run. Um, Because I know, you know, for the listeners who maybe want to go check out the comic, or for the people who just want to know about this stuff in case it comes back in the MCU. And then we're just going to go around and say, because we don't know if there's going to be a season three, right? Let's just go around and just... There's not going to be a season three. Yeah. So we just go around and just, you know, talk about like, just list out some of our best moments um, from these two seasons. So TJ, man, the flow is yours. Loki, God of Stories, give us. All right, let's get into it. So like I said, the run is going to be from Al Ewing. It's called Loki Agents of Asgard. And I mean, phenomenal run on its own merit. But again, the Loki show takes a lot from this, namely the whole God of Stories aspect of it. And so like I said before, the whole idea of that is, again, Loki is the God of lies. And at the end of the day, what is a lie but a story? So when he has all these quote unquote new powers, it's not necessarily he has new powers. It's just that his powers have evolved and have become fully realized to what he can actually truly do in his position as a god. And something that the show, I think, really did beautifully and something that the run deals with is something that's called the ego death. And so at the end of this, when we have Loki... uh, uh, what's it called? Rejuvenating all of these branches. That is the show's version of this ego death. And what that is, is, is it's explained in the run as the absence of self becoming not leaving behind attachments, thrones, grudges, powers, and all the old temptations and leaving behind ignorance. So I think so like at, self-sacrifice. Basically. Exactly. So when Loki takes this new position as the Loki who remains, he is going through that ego death and that he's in this new position as, again, whatever you want to call it, the God of lies, Loki who remains. But I think that that leads us 
it's going to all this is all going to come back together in Secret Wars. And I think that we can have Loki in the MCU playing a sort of dual role of the sort of beyonder and this whole, you know, he who remains, Loki who remains, uh, watcher of the multiverse. And so that all comes into play. There's two different secret wars. One is just like a big fight between, you know, heroes and villains. The other deals with the incursion of timelines, which ideally that's that's the one we're going to get. Yeah, so that's what we're going to get in the MCU for sure for their secret wars. But I can see them using this new Loki position as a sort of beyonder type role where he Uh is observing this battle going on and, you know, kind I don't want to say making decisions because I think I think for me and I think for the audience, the big question that we're left with with this new position for Loki is, is he influencing the branches or is he just holding Mm. the branches? Right. And we see that what Mobius says kind of echoes to him. So we know that he obviously is aware of what's going on. But again, my big question is, is he actually influencing things or just passively watching like a watcher would do? Right. I think that's going to the answer to that question is what's going to inform where we're going to see this Loki pop up next. But I 100 percent Tom Hiddleston is not done. We are for sure getting Loki back. And if anything, it's going to have our heroes are going to have to go to him. Right. It's not like he's just mm-hmm. going to pop yeah, up. That's like, what I hey, y'all, what's up? Like, I'm the god of stories. <laughs> it Something's going to happen to where they get to him. And I think that's where we're going to get that Thor and Loki reunion of them yeah. in the sun again. Yeah. So I think. Well, sorry, I was, I was just going to say, like, I think we're going to have something like, you know, when Thor met up with Itri, Peter Dinklage, basically. Like in was that Infinity War and that was Infinity yeah. Infinity War. So I think we'll have something like that where like oh we need to go to X Y Z person. And it's weird because the Watcher exists in the MCU, but I mean one of the Watchers was Stan Lee, rest in peace. The other one's obviously Jeffrey Wright in animation. So I don't know if that's crossing over. And then I don't know. So I think yeah, Loki might just replace the Beyonder probably, which would be which would make sense. And I also want to say too, just really quickly, is I've said this on our uh, Loki after show that we've been doing, but I've been saying for a while that the temporal loom represents uh, Yggdrasil, the World Tree, and yeah. we get that fully realized that. in this episode. And I I think what they were trying to do is represent that Loki is now technically the world tree of the universe they're mm-hmm. like using the north mythology stuff to explain what is going Just on and exactly yeah, I so appreciated that yeah along with well. the ouroboros and then the the uh, what's it called the yggdrasil tree i think again loki's kind of playing that role in the sense of he's the world tree holds all the realms together and like what is loki doing but holding all of the universes and realms of the universe together yeah yeah, no, it's it's it poetic. On when when he was out on the on the little walkway, uh, did you not did did he seem like he was getting aged by when he was getting hit by all of that temporal radiation? Like a little I bit, s- yeah. I swear, I swear he was getting a little bit wrinkly. Yeah, I saw that. I noticed that bit, too. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Are we gonna get him transforming into Richard E. Grant? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I also like the fact that like. He didn't age as fast as like the suit, mm-hmm. as like his clothes did, because those are like human made clothes, not going to last longer than like 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. But then he's a god and he's aging a lot slower 
mm-hmm. because of the temporal radiation. So I quite like that visual. Yeah, no, that, but, was, that was inspired. Uh, I was inspired. Yeah, Mohit and Benson, you know, props again for the visuals. They were pretty good. Um, just to wrap up, I was just going to say, if you guys can give me one or two moments from Loki's run that, you know, that was like a big surprise, a moment you're always going to remember, something like that. Um, Mo, give me give me one, give uh, me two, something. Season one, I'd say the finale of season one when you first, because nobody expected to see Kang appear mm-hmm. or like the actor who was going to play Kang mm-hmm. appear in in a Disney Plus show. So yep. that was a huge surprise. And I'll always remember just him showing up in that elevator eating an apple. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was um, great. That, that one. Uh, and then I want to say the end of episode four for this season is just like, was just crazy. Yeah. That cliffhanger was intense and TJ and I got it, got it early and we had to wait five weeks for <laughs> For us to catch stuff. up. And you guys were sitting here looking at us like, oh, these guys are just excited. They don't know what's coming. <laughs> we were, uh, yeah. It was a tough month for sure. It was, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> that was the worst, worst four, five weeks of my life. But very, very good to see that. I was glad that it followed up and it was actually better. Like the last two episodes, so much better as well. Yeah. But yeah. That's good stuff. Um, TJ, what are your moments that stand out from Loki's run for you? Oof. I mean, I got to go with what Mo said as well. The introduction of He Who Remains will always be. I w- See, Mo was saying like no one was expecting that. I was I was full on Kang gang from the beginning of Loki. I was like, he's showing up. People said I was crazy. So when he showed up, I was just like, <laughs> yes, let's go. So I won't, I'll never forget that. And then this season, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the branches and Loki with the new suit and grabbing all the branches, taking that throne. It was just from a comic standpoint, it was just so cool to see in live action. The visuals of how they did it was just so cool to watch. And it was just, it was, again, just one of those moments that I for sure am going to remember for a long, long time. And probably, I'd even go as far as saying maybe one of my favorite moments of the MCU as a whole. Like, it was just so great. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, man. Jeremiah? I honestly don't know. I was thinking, I was trying to rock my brain because you guys have mentioned some good moments. I think I just love the show so much. Uh, there are so many moments, whether it's like Mobius deciding to go take a look whether it's he who remains revealing that this was his master plan this was his plan b all along rather whether it's aka your, vi- remains, your victory lap will obviously be your favorite scene <laughs> or it was he who remains even being revealed as the original villain or it was to some people it might have been loki actually physically coming on and sitting on a throne and being essentially the opposite of what people thought the season one big bad would have been like there's mm-hmm. a new key at the at the at the top of the tva there is yeah. one now um there's so many moments in this show that are just like it's sad to say goodbye basically like that that's that's my own like takeaway i don't i can't really think of any one thing because if you ask me now i'll be thinking of a moment from this episode but you could ask me yeah. a different day and it'll be completely different so it's just it, it was good yeah no like again like 12 episodes so much has happened right when you think back to loki just showing up in that desert when they grabbed him all the lore that we've gotten to see the characters we've gotten to see i think 
I echo all the moments you guys said. Jonathan Major showing up. Um, echo Easter egg. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the one that you guys didn't mention that I that will always stick with me was Richard E. Grant's uh, "Glorious oh, Purpose" in the Void. Um, that was just great to see, like old Loki, like classic comic book costume Loki, and it not be like it wasn't like a joke or anything. Um, yeah, it was just you know this is a show that I think was made for with with a lot of respect and love for the fans, um, and yeah, I really I think you bring that up now, but that's essentially what this Loki does as well. Like maybe whether they did it on purpose or not, that Richards um, that classic Loki. Yeah, this is this is like a, an updated version of the costume. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like that moment pretty much foreshadowed this. Like that Loki gave them a chance to survive by mm-hmm. distracting Elias and casting this powerful um, projection. He built Asgard, yeah. Yeah, and that was his glorious purpose, whereas this Loki's glorious purpose is sacrificing himself, giving everyone else a chance by holding the multiverse together for all of eternity or whatever it turns out he's actually doing, as far as we understand it so far. Like, doing that, making that sacrifice and giving everyone else a chance. I just think, you know, like, I hadn't noticed that until you mentioned that scene again. Like, it's essentially the same thing that they're both doing, and that is Loki's glorious purpose to become a god in the sense that he sacrifices himself and loses. I do think it's kind of sad that his glorious purpose will never be realized inside a timeline. It's always gotta it's always gotta be executed outside of the timeline. Mm. But yeah, like, you know. <laughs> outside of the confines of, on, he, he's bigger than the than the universe. Unsung hero, right? Like, yeah. So I don't know, like I said, it would be great to great to see. I think I just want you know, like Loki's done so much, and we talked about learning self love from being with Sylvie. I still kind of want him to get that acknowledgement, you know, like someone to know he did this, like someone he knew that, like for basically. I the main think person that that knows, or even Heimdall. I'll take Heimdall, like being able to see him or something. Like okay, he can see everything from right? his old life. Yeah, no, I mean, like someone who knows, like what Loki used to be to this, like. I think that's kind of part of the poetry of it though. And like kind of like what Mo was saying, how no, like his victory comes outside of time, right? And Mm -hmm. when Loki started this journey, his whole thing was he wants the throne. He wants to rule. He wants to be recognized as an equal to Thor, a fellow Odinson, right? And through the journey of this show, he comes to realize, and he says it to Sylvie, like, I don't want the throne but he's forced to take it and i think that that concept is was very well done and again it just brings loki's character kind of full circle it's like he gets what he wants but not in the way that he originally wanted it right and i think again having no one know that is kind of the poetry of it all. Like, like you know, when he took yeah. over New York, he wanted everyone to know, like, I am Loki. I am the god. I am I am that dude, you know? So I think the fact that no one will know and that he is kind yeah. of just forced to hold this position for seemingly eternity, I think that's yeah. kind of beautiful. It's just funny you mentioned, because someone mentioned this earlier, the whole thing that Tom Hiddleston actually auditioned for Thor, and it's like... Yeah, yeah. It's the show accidentally becomes meta on itself when you realize Loki goes through that journey with Thor, but then Tom Hiddleston himself also goes through the same journey, wanting to play Thor. But mm-hmm. again, he is not Thor, he's Loki. 
but by the end of it right now loki is kind of like so central to the entire mcu at this point pretty much yeah literally holding it together that's poetic and like that's literal like glorious purpose but yeah i think we better leave it there before i get cooked for how <laughs> yeah much i'm just looking at the this, time. Is gonna, this is gonna take um but yeah you know thank you guys so much for coming on across this episode and all the other episodes it's been great chatting to you guys um i've loved the show and you know obviously you guys listening as well you know message us tweet us your favorite moments from loki what you thought about the episode where you want him to show up next and stuff um but yeah it's been a real pleasure um remember on popcorn for dinner we've got episodes for gen v the full season done now um we've got episodes for invincible going out every friday um on our is this cinema podcast we've got um episodes covering david fincher's the killer I've got an interview with Jordan Pitt and Lee Daly from um, Untold Stories here on set. And we've got an episode covering Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. And yeah, a lot of other fun stuff for you guys to check out. But yeah, um, thank you guys again for coming on. Um, Just, you know, um, thank you, Mo. Tell the guys where they can find you. Anything you want to plug for the fans? You can find me nowhere on x come on P- play, play no. it <laughs> nah, i don't i i i don't need to plug you'll mm-hmm. find, you'll see me i'll post some insane take somewhere <laughs> and and it'll get it and 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 then i'll 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 say some random shit online and then someone will pick it up and then run with it or whatever so <laughs> that's what that's what we'll go with it first, first. you'll find me First, thanks. Don't worry thank, about it. Thank, thanks for coming. Thank you for on. having. Thank you for. Thank you for asking me to come on. Oh, it's so a pleasure. It's a I pleasure. appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna force my hand and say, uh, force your hand and, and make me uh, come on for another one. But it's been really, really good. Thank you guys for the season. Definitely, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Um, TJ, thanks for coming on as well. Anything you want to tell the guys to check out? I just want to say again, thank you guys for having me. This has been so much fun. I'm always down to nerd out. And again, just thanks for the opportunity. But I mean, as far as where you can find me, the Fat Thor, that's where I am pretty much everywhere. You can check out my crazy comic ramblings over at the streamer where I have a bunch of comic book articles, breakdowns of all the Loki episodes. And then you can also find me at the Sons of Milnir is the podcast that I host. We do all comic book media, comic book uh, content, creator interviews, all that kind of stuff. So find find me anywhere. Let's talk nerd stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, Jeremiah, it's, you know, it's only me and you who've been on every single episode. So it's been, yeah. it's been, it's been a journey. It's been real. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because what well, we did the finale of season one, wasn't it? As oh, well. yeah yeah and then now we're doing the whole season that's crazy honestly but, i saw that the other day like um, when we tweeted out the episode just like because i think what was it back in the day like they tweeted it out with our pictures i was like oh my god i've <laughs> aged so much in two years bloody hell but <laughs> wow but yeah yeah um thanks for coming on man any anything you want to share f- with the listeners uh, I'll say the same thing I said in the first episode. Stay tuned. Um, you can you can follow me on I'm I'm Jerry underscore A on pretty much everything known to man that that I have anyway. <laughs> um, and yeah, like we could talk about any TV shows that I actually watch, which is a lot of them. But I'm ex- I'm always happy to come back on popcorn for dinner. Like you guys and you guys keep welcoming me back, so it's great to always um 
do uh, an entire season or an episode here and there. It's cool. So I'm just, yeah, I'm looking at the time now, but yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Um, <laughs> and we'll see you next time. It might be a Disney show. It might be something else or maybe something I really enjoy. I can convince Banky to just like add more stress to his own head in editing, <laughs> but like I'll find a way. <laughs> Yeah, I want to thank him as well. Thank, thank you to the to the owner and producer of this podcast for all of the work that he's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Props to. Bank. I'm sure if you guys, I don't think you want to Patreon or something or, or or something. Just open it up and give him. Yeah, some yeah. Stuff. I think he, he wasn't planning to do Loki. Was he? It was like all of us just individually mentioned just, just, just like, okay, fine, you guys go to. <laughs> so yeah, so thank you, Bakoli, for allowing us to use your platform. And yeah, thank you guys for listening to all our episodes. And like I said, check out all the cool stuff we've got. Keep it tuned to Popcorn for Dinner for all your movie and TV reviews and recommendations. But yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's been a great season and till next time take care it's been real bye bye bye